When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Italian American Podcast. The first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about and celebrate their brilliant heritage. We're your hosts, Anthony Fasano and Dolores Alfieri Taranto. We're first generation and third generation Italian Americans from the same small village outside of New York City. As writers and speakers, we've both spent years exploring Italian American identity. And through this podcast, we continue this exploration with you. In each episode, we talk to dynamic Italian Americans. From athletes to authors to entrepreneurs to find out how their heritage has influenced their success, their values, and their outlook on life. We do it with a lot of heart, a lot of smarts, and a lot of laughs. (laughs) As the saying goes, there are two types of people, those who are Italian and those who wish they were Italian. Whatever camp you're in, grab an espresso and get your hand gestures ready (laughs) for this episode of the Italian American Podcast. This is episode 70 of the Italian American podcast, where we'll be speaking with best-selling author, master coach, and vision board and manifesting expert, Sarah Centrella. Yes, and we want to welcome our new listeners. We know we get new listeners every show. We want to welcome you to the family. And we're excited to have you. You can go on our website at italianamericanexperience.com if you like this episode. And there are 69 more episodes that you can dive into. A lot of stuff on Italian stuff, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So um, we also want to just encourage people to subscribe to the podcast, not just listen to it. So if you're holding your phone and you're on your iTunes page of the Italian American podcast, there is a big button up top to the right of the logo. Just click on that and then you will automatically receive all of our episodes download it onto your phone, which means you don't have to use any of your data when you're out and about listening to us. Right, Anthony? That's for sure. And I also (laughs) want to mention our private Facebook group called The New Neighborhood, a place for Italian Americans. And the reason that we created this community was because we have a lot of listeners that listen to the show and they love listening and they love the topics and the guests, but they want more. I mean, they're Italians. They want to talk. So... (laughs) So we created this group where you can join, you can become a member of the group, and you can interact with us and other passionate listeners and share tradition, share meals, share other things. And there is a membership fee. And Dolores, why do we have a membership fee for the group? Well, we have a membership fee because like everything else in life, this show costs money. So we need to make sure that we have revenue coming in to just pay for the basics of getting each show out. So what I like to tell people is if you're passionate about your heritage, and I know that you are if you're listening to this show, and you want to be sure that your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will be able to learn about their heritage through this medium and, and have this huge database of, you know, not, not 70 episodes, right. But 370 episodes, then, you know, joining the new neighborhood is a great way to ensure that that happens. And it's a very nominal yearly fee. I think it comes like $4 a month or something like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I will say too, that, you know, when we started the new neighborhood, we definitely didn't know what to expect. It was something new for us. We figured let's try it. We get lots of emails from listeners and we, and we want to try to, you know, engage our listeners, of course, and get to know you a little bit better. So we tried it, we started it and sure enough, people started joining. And I have to say that the conversations have become very rich. People are sharing pretty amazing things through the new neighborhood in terms of family traditions. They go out for the weekend. They post stuff in it. Dolores did the tomato sauce recently with her family, right, Dolores? And you posted stuff yes, in there. Yes, we jarred and, tomatoes. And people yeah. were mm-hmm. looking at it and they were just commenting on it and how much it brings back memories for them. So I think it's a really powerful group that I'm, I'm really excited about. I'm excited that we're going to uh, invite you into it and hopefully have you join us. That's right. Visit italianneighborhood.com and the um, information on how to join, et cetera, is on that page, italianneighborhood.com. All one word. We'll see you there. Anthony, tell us what the story segment is about. Yes, Dolores. In this episode, our story segment is is really cool. It's a listener who contacted me. His name is Joe Pagetta. He asked if he could send me a book that he wrote. So, of course, I said yes. I like to get books from listeners. And the name of the book, when I saw they it, love was to send them to you too. Yeah. One day, <laughs> one day you're going to start an Italian American library with all the books that people send you. That's for sure. <laughs> we like it though. The name of Joe's book is Guinea Bastard. And so it's a personal essays book. And so, you know, at first when you look at it, it's kind of like this stereotypical name that, you know, derogatory, you know, in terms of Italian Americans, but he sent it to me, I started reading it and it was great. I mean, it was really interesting. And it, the reason for the, the title, which I'll get into with him in the story segment is because of his growing up and things that that's how people refer to. Sure. That's how things happen in his neighborhood. So it's well, a provocative really, title. It you is, it's, yeah. it's a provocative title and it really like, you know, he gets into it. There's reasons for it basically. And, it, and it's pretty good. So <clears throat> I really enjoyed the read. It's a quick read and you'll hear from Joe here in the stories segment uh, a little later on. But for now, I'm going to let Dolores introduce our guest for the main interview segment. Oh, this is so exciting. I loved having Sarah Centrella on the show. Best-selling author, master coach, and vision board and manifesting expert, Sarah Centrella is the author of the number one best-selling self-help book, Hustle, Believe, Receive, an eight-step plan to changing your life and living your dream. Centrella is known as the premier vision board expert. Her new book of the same title will be released in early 2019. As a master life coach, she's worked with professional athletes in the NBA and NFL, WAGs, and thousands of people from around the world. She regularly delivers keynote speeches and leads workshops for clients such as Pinterest, Nike, BMW, Xerox, Morgan Stanley, and the NBA Wives Association. Sarah has been featured by the Wall Street Journal, ABC News, the Steve Harvey Show, the New York Times, OK Magazine, the Oregonian, Yahoo News, Good Morning America, and many others. She's also a contributor for several major sites, including Elite Daily, Mind Valley, Thrive, and Huffington Post. Here she is, Sarah Centrella. <laughs> All right, now it's time for the main segment of our episode, and we're really happy to welcome onto the show Sarah Centrella, author of the book Hustle, Believe, Receive. Sarah, welcome to the Italian American Podcast. Thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you, Dolores. I'm super excited to be here and very excited to talk about my heritage a little bit. 
let everybody know a, a different side. <laughs> yeah. So we were, we were talking a little bit um, off mic and I'm really excited to do, I'm excited to do all our shows, but this is a particular excitement because we've never had on somebody who works in your field before and, and does what you do as a self-help author and a motivational speaker. And what our listeners may or may not know is every day in our regular lives, both Anthony and I are always reading books like that, always listening to lectures, podcasts, you know, we're very interested in, in bettering ourselves yeah. and being our, yeah, our best selves. So we don't get to talk about that too much on mic. So this is a really big treat and I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Yay. I love being a trailblazer. <laughs> I will take that. <laughs> I will take that with pride. Thanks for having me on. I'm of honored. Course. So we like to start each show by just asking our guests to tell us a little bit about their Italian American upbringing. Yeah, absolutely. So I am third generation. You know, my great grandparents came uh, to America from Italy, from uh, Napoli, I believe. And by growing up, even though I have, you know, definite mixes on the other side, it was always Italian that I really resonated with as kind of how my grandparents raised their six kids as very proud Italian Americans. Um, And so that's how I've grown up and also raised my kids. So it's definitely been the biggest part of, I guess, my heritage or connection is to my Italian roots. And my, my eventual dream is I would love to, uh, to live in Italy at some point. So it's something that is kind of like innate in me. It's hard to explain. And I think maybe your listeners will understand what, what I mean, even if you're not. Yeah, they get it. (laughs) You just, you have this deep, deep rooted connection. You know, I try to incorporate it in multiple ways in my life and in my children's upbringing, including food and all that kind of good stuff. So I was very excited that we could chat about this because I, it's just something that I don't, I can just share that often, right? Um, but yeah. it's truly part of my identity. I was thinking when I heard, I listened to um, a couple podcasts where you know you were the guest on them, and I was thinking, you know, you have a you have a story that led you to the career you're in now and the success you have now, and I was thinking how everyone asks you to tell that story, and now this right. is probably one of the first times you're going to get to tell a different story. One hundred percent, I like it. <laughs> Yes. But you know, you said more layers. That's right. Of course. And you said um, something, Sarah, that I think a lot of people say when they come on our show, if, if they are from, you know, families that one parent was Irish and one parent was Italian, Mm -hmm. how the Italian side tends to take over. It really does. Which is interesting that you say that because my nanny um, was, I think, 100% uh, Irish. So her parents immigrated from Ireland. So it was very interesting that, you know, her husband was Italian and his whole family had come from Italy. She was, she was Irish, but we grew up completely with the Italian. So there wasn't even like the hint of, which I always thought was kind of interesting, but it was so just part of who we, we were, you right. know what I mean? And, and part of who we are. And so something, and also a true sense of pride, I think, mm-hmm. um, absolutely pride in our name pride in how we put family and traditions and faith and all that first in our life. And, you know, I remember even being a a child, I grew up in Oregon, so couldn't have been farther from any type of, uh, you know, Italian Italian enclave. Yeah. 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 I mean, literally my family was only Italian. I knew and they lived in the Bay area. So, so I, I think it's just something that just runs really in your blood and that pride and that identity you, you know, strong. we just we just did our first Q and A episode 
And we sent out an email to our list and we have a a private Facebook group that people pay to join. And it's been great. It's called the new neighborhood, a place for Italian Americans. We, we posted our question, you know, that we were looking for questions in there. Anyway, long story short, it was terrific. Our, the response was overwhelming. We have enough questions for like four episodes, which is uh-huh. great. <laughs> and, but, uh, several of the questions revolved around why do we still so identify with our heritage? Right. You know, all these generations later, why with Italian Americans, it's still, still such a strong drive. Yeah. And you know what, that is, it's so interesting to me because like I said, I did not have really aside from, you know, my aunts and uncles and not Nani, I didn't have any other really examples. There was no other network of people or community of people who were also Italian Americans, but it was like, we always just felt like we have this special thing going on. (laughs) Yep. Um, and, And then it was crazy because my entire life, I just felt so drawn to Italy, like obsessively, obsessively drawn. Um, and then I finally was able to go in 2016 and I'm a single mom. I have, I have three kids. And so I was able to take them with me for three weeks and we went all through Italy. And I'm telling you, like, I cannot explain it to a place where anybody other than you and your listeners will understand (laughs) because nobody else gets it. They're just like, okay, weirdo, whatever. (laughs) It was literally like being home. And I, of course, I've never been. And it's just, it was a love affair, I would say. Like, honestly, like being in Italy and having my children see for the very first time kind of what I was talking about and why just the lifestyle and, and the things that are valued as far as family and, you know, food and culture and just all of these things, um, and time spent together, (laughs) things that are kind of the opposite of how we do things in America, um, for them to see it and also fall in love with it was just, you know, it's so priceless. It's interesting that you didn't have a ton of Italian influence as a kid yet, you know, it seems to be the one, one heritage that really resonates with you. Obviously you went back there and you really felt it. And I'm wondering in terms of your business life, you know, obviously you're a single mom with three kids, you're building a business, you're obviously doing a good job of that. How does your Italian heritage, do you think, help you in that? Yeah, you know, I I think for me, it is, and I'm very goal-oriented, I mean, it was probably a good thing since I'm a motivational speaker, <laughs> um, but one of my, and very dream-focused, and so, you know, that first part of my dream, which was a very public dream, you know, I put it on all of my social media and really talked about it a lot in kind of my business realm, if you will, and I believe strongly in manifesting, so when I was finally able to manifest that dream, and then I kind of took my readers and followers along for that journey with me and showed them through my eyes what I love so much about, you know, the culture, the food, the language, all of that, was actually a really big part, uh, because it was a way to d- demonstrate kind of what I talk about all the time in my life was something that was so personal, um, such a dream that was so personal to me. And so now I'm doing it in the next extension of that, which is when my kids go to college, my dream is to move to, <laughs> to Italy and write from there and coach from there and teach from there and all of those things. So I've really incorporated it so much in a lot of what I'm building because that's kind of my long-term plan is to 
go back and forth and really have it be part of my children's identity as well, you know? Wow. I love the full Uh, circle. Yeah. And I love that they love it too, right? Of (laughs) course. (laughs) How could they not? I don't think they've ever seen mom that happy. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) well, I think your dream is, is probably one that a, a lot of our listeners share. And I think, you know, to Anthony's question, one thing I've picked up from listening to you and, and reading your work, et cetera. And I think something that she has innately, and I don't know, I'd be interested to know if you've ever actually connected it to your Italian American heritage. It's something that we talk about on the show so much, which is our work ethic mm. as a community and a culture, yeah. which is just basically fierce. And we just work, work, right. work, work, work. And, um, I actually heard you on, on one show and you said something along the lines of, you know, self-help and manifesting is pretty simple. You know, a lot of people try to make it kind of airy fairy and complicated, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's really not. And I think the quote was, there's only one way to get what you want and that's to work for it. (laughs) Hustle, baby. (laughs) So we really, you know, and it really does. Yeah. It really comes down to, to what my great grandfather did, right. When he moved to this country and, and what did he do? He worked, he built the quote American dream. And then, you know, instilled that in my grandfather who was able to do the same. And he worked like a crazy person. Like he worked, his work ethic was absolutely, you know, amazing. My father's work ethic is, is insane. I can't even get my head around how hard that man worked. So that, and it is interesting because I never connected that until now, but I kind of always said, that I think some people are born hustlers some people are born, you know, optimistic, whatever. I was born a hustler. I was not born optimistic. I just teach that to myself. <laughs> I totally but, get but that, was, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I totally was born a hustler. I mean, from day one. And by hustler, I mean, I don't mean like pulling one over on someone. I mean, like scrappy, willing to work. You know, I had a full job at 15 and I've always been willing to do whatever it takes. Take any job, take five jobs, doesn't matter. So Sarah, let's, you know, talk a little bit more about your book, Hustle, Believe, Receive. Like Dolores said, I think on out of out of the 70 podcast episodes we've done, the word hustle has probably been on at least 50 of them because it is, it is very, I think, synonymous with like Italian American history. Like you said, you know, our grandparents, great grandparents coming over and basically with no money had to then raise a family and figure out how to do it. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about kind of the book and obviously that name, that title of the book seems like a a recipe for success for sure. But I'd just love to hear you talk on it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a recipe is exactly what it is. So I, um, just to give a little bit of background on my personal story, I found myself completely starting my life from scratch when my, my husband left our family. Um, and my babies were a year old, my twins were a year old, my son was five. And at the time I really like had absolutely nothing. So it was starting from like, I was on food stamps, like our house was foreclosed. It was just this worst case scenario and kind of what got me to turn my life around and to build what I have built now over the last seven, eight, nine years was that dream, right? I wanted a better life. And in so many ways, like you were just saying, it's, it's probably very similar to my parents or my grandparents, you know, and, and great grandparents who came here and wanted a better life for their kids. And that dream was so strong that I was just like, I will figure out any way to make that happen. I don't know how to make that happen, but I, no one's going to outwork me and every opportunity that I get, I'm going to turn it into something, even if 
it doesn't look like much, right? And so the process that that happened over the next like two years in that first crucial time was really turning or creating a dream in my mind that didn't exist before. So, you know, that was part of it. It's just allowing my mind to build something out and then following it through with insane work ethic. <laughs> um, you know, I was working like pretty much around the clock and that is really what has got me to this place. And I still do. And so I think as we were talking about, a lot of people are maybe programmed with that kind of work gene, but a lot aren't. And so the book breaks down the eight different things that I did to turn my life around and teaches people how to hustle. Because believe it or not, a lot of people don't know. They just don't know what to do. They don't know how to think outside the box. They don't know how to try 10 things at once, you know, right. or any of that. And I think maybe that is, and I, like I said, I had never really connected it, but it makes so much sense to me right now that, you know, it is really in me and, you know, it was probably in the generations that came before me from Italy. Absolutely. But not everyone is born with it. So I think it's something you can totally teach yourself and, and the book walks through the steps and how to do it and how the reader can turn the recipe in their own life into success. Yeah. I think it's definitely something that's needed. I mean, I talk to a lot of people and, I hear a lot of people with very lofty goals, but it's like really evident in talking with them that they have like no, they have no idea how to go from like where they are now to where they want to be. They just kind of know they want to be there. And the problem with that is, is that, you know, like you said, you can definitely visualize it and you need to do that and you need to have a goal, but you also need to roll up your sleeves and just kind of, kind of get it done. I mean, part of it is like, you know, you need to be able to understand kind of the steps that it's going to take, but at the same time, you can figure them out along the way. You just have to kind of, you kind of got to like make it a goal to do something every day or multiple things every day to do it. And so I definitely think that the message is one that it's great that you're getting it out there because, you know, I get so frustrated when I talk to people that have great ideas, but you feel like they're like millions of years away from it just because yeah, and you um, have three questions about it and they're, they're stumped. Like by, right. by the second question, like, how, you know, so how are you planning or what have you done? Or, and I run into that all the time. And I think like having the vision is great. A lot of people don't even have that. So at least you know, there's, there's that to start off with, but you're absolutely right. I mean, people I coach have no idea how to get from this dream to their reality and the cavern couldn't be wider, right? <laughs> there just could not be a bigger ocean between where they are now and where they want to go. And so that's literally what the book walks them through. It's like, okay, now here's how we define it. Here's how we write a plan. Here's how we take action every single day. And, and so much of it is just being creative. And to your point, like not waiting around until you know everything, not waiting around until you figure it all out. Um, I was just talking to someone just the other day and she's like, Oh, I want to, you know, be a YouTuber. And I said, great. What are you doing about that? Have you, I want to see, show me your YouTube. She's like, Oh no, well, you know, I'm doing the research right now. What do you, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, go on there. Like start the only research is, is you getting used to being on YouTube. You know what I mean? And so, so many people suffer from that where they just paralyze themselves and their dreams because they're looking around around them at people who are successful at what they, they want to do and they don't know how to get there so they don't do anything. I'm like, oh my God, do something. Do 900 things that fail. Who cares? At least you're doing something, you know? It's right. so true. I mean, you should have titled your book, uh, How to Work Like an Italian-American. Right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, one thing yes. I've, I've seen so much with, um, with my family and uh, I'm first generation, so my parents came here after they got married mm -hmm. from Southern Italy and 
I think what you're talking about also is like a resourcefulness. Yes. Right. That even if you don't know how to do it, like I'm going to figure it out or I'm going to die trying. Yeah. And to me, that's what the word hustle means. And I talk about it a little bit in the book because I think, I don't know, 10 years ago, people really had this negative connotation with it. It was like, oh, you're trying to slip something over on me. I'm like, no, 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 no. The hustle is I'm going to figure it out. Like nothing is going to stop me. I have an idea. I will do whatever it takes. I will get creative. I will work 10 jobs. I'll, I'll do whatever. Like for me, it really equals, yeah, work ethic, work ethic. And if I didn't have that, I would not be here today, period, point blank. There's absolutely no, no way. Right. And I think what you said before, you know, you're like, I was not, I was born a hustler. I was not born optimistic. It kind of, it made me laugh because for our families and, you know, everyone who came before us, I I don't know how much quote unquote optimism, like in terms of we'll stand in the mirror and repeat a positive mantra. (laughs) But the optimism was I have two hands. I exactly. Can I can do something about it. Yeah. And that's the difference. I think so many people don't have that anymore, especially in America. Like if you, you know, if you've been here for generations and generations, you've never even seen an example of somebody building something from nothing. All you have are the examples of people who live just like you, who maybe are living kind of a mediocre life or a suburb life or even a struggle life, whatever, but you don't see somebody totally uprooting their life leaving friends and family in pursuit of a dream. I mean, that takes so much. So every Italian American has that in common in the fact that their generations above them who came to this country, they were special in that way, right? Like they had a dream and they were willing to do whatever it took to make it happen. And that alone is such a gift because we have an example of what can happen if we set our mind to something and are willing to work our butt off for it. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, and not I, everyone has that. I think that's a really good point in that. And we've talked about this before, but for me, when I researched my family history and background, that was definitely one of the benefits of doing it. It's not just like finding out all this information, but, you know, understanding their story and the struggles and everything, which, you know, helps you to avoid like kind of taking for granted some of the things that we do have. But I also think that that's one of the reasons too, that we need to continue to educate like the next generation, like, you know, our kids where they came from, because they're even going to be further removed from understanding that there was any type of struggle, that there was any type of challenge that we needed to, you know, that our ancestors needed to work around the clock for, you know, probably pennies and try to live off of that and raise families and and get to the point where we are today and really the community to get to the point where it is today. So I think that that's a really good point. And I think that that's a reason for those of you listening to continue to pass down the traditions, to continue to take out the old pictures of, you know, your grandparents and explain how things were, you know, like we always say, we're not reverting back to those days. Obviously we want to always move forward as a community, but we have to kind of remember where we came from. Yeah. For the journey that we got here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you have a really good point in that it is hard, especially when you've been working hard and built something that now you're able to provide for your kids in a way that, you know, you weren't maybe provided for. It's, it's hard for them to grow up with any type of real sense of any of this, right. You know, because they're growing up in maybe middle-class or whatever, and so for me, that has been something that I've always really struggled to, um, 
not struggle, but been very aware of, I guess, of, I want my children to, to know that if you have a dream, that's great, but what are you going to do about it? What is the work? Here's how mommy is doing it. Here's what mommy's dream is. And I will literally talk to them about that. I was like, okay, so this is an obstacle. This is what happened today. And this is a win. And this is what, you know, that looks like today. So I think like involving them so that they can see what it takes to make something happen. And then if there's a way that, that they can connect, like I'm telling you just taking, and I know not everybody can do that, but just taking them back to Italy was just such an amazing and eye-opening experience because that was their first chance to see, Oh my gosh, this isn't like America. This isn't like, there's so much, you know, so much that I could have never showed them on movies or books or whatever. And to see them study the language and use it a little bit when we were over there and just things like that is just for me, so priceless. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Anthony, great. you did the same thing with your kids. Yeah. Your took family. my kids to Italy and, um, like it was really, I think for them, it's made a big impression on them. And I, like I said, I don't think even explaining it to them, you know, has the same impact as actually being able to take them there and they got to meet some of the family members there and do some of the traveling there. That was very powerful. And so, you know, that's something, again, I preach about that regularly. I wrote, I wrote about that in my book, 40 Days in Italy, and I want to continue to preach about that. I mean, we're talking about it now with Sarah as well, because that's kind of one of the underlying themes of the podcast is, you know, connect with your heritage, connect with your culture and kind of pass it, pass it on. And that's the point of recording these episodes and making them available for people to, that we have and many listeners that tell us that I, you know, I, I, I give these episodes to my kids to listen to these episodes, which is awesome. Um, Absolutely. Um, and there's things that you can bring back with you that are, that become part of your life. So when we were in Tuscany, we had um, the Airbnb Nano or Nana came over and taught us for like six hours how to make a ragu. And we made this huge feast and she gave us all the recipes. And I'm telling you, I make that whole feast like every probably three months. Nice. That's as long as my family will let me go without making it. Um, (laughs) and so like now it is part of our family. Like my daughters will learn how to make it for their kids and you know, they'll always have a story that goes with it and a a face that went with it and experience that went with it. And to me, like that almost chokes me up because like what greater gift? Absolutely. Could I I ever give them? So really Sarah, actually, I don't know that I realized how much um, these two things are connected until we've really just been talking about it so much. But I personally have a love, I don't want to say hate, but like a love something with the self-help right. community. Oh, and <laughs> Right, which is what I'm saying. I'm realizing, <laughs> I'm realizing the more we talk. So, you know, I really feel like coming, coming um, across your work and then you coming on the show to me is, is a kind of personal sign. So we've, we've mentioned on a previous show, actually on the Q and a show, we are thinking we've been behind the scenes here thinking of adding a third show because we're actually expanding. We just added a second show, which is, yeah, which is a different format. We, we brought in some very good friends um, who have their own platforms and we do kind of a sit around the table, just talking casual about it's the Italian American podcast power hour. And anyhow, one of our listeners had sent in a question, and she was asking that um, Rosella, her name is Rosella Rago, she does uh, this show and she does cookbooks called Cooking with Nonna. 
And mm. her and I, I guess, on one of these Power Hour shows had talked about, you know, like, one day we're going to do a whole show about, you know, being an Italian-American woman and being old-fashioned and traditional in this modern world, blah, blah, Yeah, yeah. And we haven't done it yet, but long story short, that person asked, like, I really want to hear that conversation. And we, there's actually many people have uh, either commented or wrote us and asked about that. So behind the scenes... We've been kind of thinking about that, and me personally, I've been taking a lot of notes and and brainstorming, and we mentioned it first on the Q&A of possibly adding a third show that I would basically do alone, but it would be to... It would be to explore more deeply than we can on this podcast those kinds of right. things. I and, love that. Love, yeah, love, love and, that. and also yeah. speak more to people like you, where we're talking yeah. about really how to be better, how to be stronger. And of course, it'll be through an Amer- Italian-American yeah. lens. Um, so for me, you coming on this show kind of just tells me that to keep going. Yes, and, yes I love that. <laughs> and I feel like it's a form of manifesting. So thanks of for course. hearing all that out, but there's a point to that. And part of the reason I want to do this, that show, and I, I also am working on a book around it, is because every time I get to a certain point with self-help, Right. I really think it's the Italian American upbringing in me that just is like, ugh. Your okay. BS filter is like, oh, I can't handle one more. <laughs> exactly. Okay, no, we are we are very aligned. We are very aligned. <laughs> I, I completely it. feel the same way. I actually really fought very hard to have my book not be uh, categorized as self help. I fought. I fought. I fought because I was like, no, I hate self help. Oh, I'm sorry. And- we've been calling it that. <laughs> No, 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 no. Like it is what it is. It's just one of those monsters. You can't really like turn around, but having said that, I love that you are doing your own thing and people may or may not categorize it in there, but that doesn't mean that that's the avenue you have to deliver it on. And that's what I just had to come to terms with. I was like, there's so much about self-help that truly makes my skin crawl. And I know people might be shocked by that, but it does. And it was never what um, attracted me to write the book or how I live my life. In fact, it was more the opposite as I did not see anybody in the space that was talking to me. Right. right? And I was right. a single mom trying to survive. And there was a bunch of like really old white dudes telling me what I should do. And I was like, I don't relate to anything. I don't even understand what you're saying. Like I might be stupid, but none of what you're saying makes sense to me. (laughs) And so it was like, it was almost like out of just frustration and annoyance with how everything started for me was just because I was like, there is no voice like mine. I don't know what my voice is supposed to be like. I didn't, I don't want to be a guru. I just want to share what I'm doing because it's changing my life and maybe it might change someone else's. And it just has taken off to a whole nother level, but it, I completely understand what you're saying. And it's something that I always face. I don't want to be in that pigeonholed box. What I share is common sense. Right. It's common sense. Right. It's what every successful person on the planet has ever done. It is not rocket science at all, but it's combining all of those elements that are out there in a million different forms into one super easy, like literally a five-year-old could read this book and figure out how to do it. And it makes sense. You know what I mean? It Where does. So much I- other it's like so esoteric it doesn't this just makes sense like right. it's simple and i love i love that you're putting together vision 
and work. And I, you know, we've, right. been, we've been talking about our ancestors, et cetera, but they definitely had a vision. I mean, we call it the American dream. A dream is a yeah. synonym for vision. There was something right. they were working towards, but I love the vision boards. I love the idea of visualizing what you want, but you can't just make a vision board and put it on your wall and that's it. And just 100%. go to sleep. And that was, that was a big part again of like, you know, that, that was the only message that was out there. Right. It was like, Oh, just dream about it and go test drive a Mercedes and then you'll wake up and right, you'll have a Mercedes. Right. <laughs> I was like, this is such BS. Like it almost made me angry. It was such BS. Yep. It, was, it made me angry for all the people who believed it. It made me angry that that message could get out there like that. And so what I wanted to do was put together like something that is tangible that actually works. So it doesn't just work for me. It works for anyone who's read the book and done the work works for anyone who I've ever coached. Like it's that simple. It works. So literally I bet with your parents, I could name all eight steps and what they did to get here and build a life. I, I promise. Do you I want to so name them? You're, yeah, you're exactly right. So they had to have a dream, right? So back when they were in Italy and getting married, they were thinking about what life would be like in America. Right. So that thought turned into something that excited them and forced them into not forced, but like powered them into making actual decisions to make that happen. Right. That's step one. And then step two is to think about it. So they started thinking about it in a positive way. Like when I moved to America, da, 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 da. And then the second is say it. So eventually they had to tell their family, they had to talk about it. They had to put it out there. Right. And then write it. So I'm sure at one point or another, they sat down and wrote down their whole plan, you know, whether they thought about it like that or not, whether right. it was like a to-do list or whatever. And then see it. So I'm sure there were, you know, they were probably looking up pictures of where they wanted to move to and what the town was going to be like and all of that. Right. And then the next step is do it. So they actually had to put the plans. In That's place, the right? big they step. Had to the paperwork. They had to like get the jobs. They had to buy the flights, you know, they had to actually do it and then believing it. And by that time, by the time they've done all those things, they fully believe they're going to move here. Right. It's not when it, or it's not if it's like when. And so what I talk about in believe it is if you do the foundation, you don't have to convince yourself of anything. You've heard the foundation will do it for you. And then the final one is live it. They raised you here, you know? So there you go. Like it's literally not rocket science. It's what every successful person that any of your listeners know, if there's anyone that they admire in their circle or a mentor or themselves, I bet they can name all those steps and anything they've ever done that they're really proud of. But it's just like having it as a formula that then you can apply to anything and skip all the nonsense in between and just go right to the, you know, like, okay, boom, 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 done. Exactly. You know, you, you said several things there. And even uh, as we've been speaking that I think are also important, which is the element of having your back against the wall mm. and, um, having no choice. Right. And you and your situation, you know, your marriage broke up, you hadn't been working, you were children to take care of. And you, you speak about really having no choice. And I, I that's right. very similar to my family and a lot of our listeners' families is having no choice. And I think if we as Italian Americans, third generation, whatever it is, can put ourselves in that mindset. Yes. Right. Like it, I, 
I think it's hard. I don't want to sound like an 85 year old nonna and be like kids these days, but right, like, right. it's kind of like, I do feel like, and you mentioned it a little bit with your children and trying to balance that out. Like they lack struggle for the most part, sure. not yeah. all children. Yeah. Of course, a lot of children right. don't, you know, they are struggling and, but that struggle really can propel you. So even if it's a spiritual struggle, which for instance, like I'm personally yeah. in right now, right, I, right. I'm not hungry. I'm not broke. I, right, my right, husband, right. you know what I mean? But in my, yeah. my spirit, I know I need to move things to the next level. And I, it's very easy to get complacent. Yeah. That's right. And I yeah. feel very scared, excited. I don't exactly know how I'm going to do it, but in my mind, I have no other choice. Right. Yeah. And that's a thing like burning, how they say like burning the boats, right? Burn the backup. Plan. Yeah, I because like that. when when you always when you always say like, okay, well, you know, if this new podcast doesn't do that great, then I can do this or whatever. So if you go into anything with kind of that mindset, and let's be honest, most people start everything with that mindset, right? Because right? mm-hmm. they're like, well, you know, I don't want to tell people I'm doing this because what if it doesn't work? And I'll just wait till it works, and then I'll then I'll finally quit my job or then I'll, you know, so you're sabotaging before you've ever started. And, and I think that is the difference. You know, if we look at our ancestors who came here, they were that determined that there wasn't a backup plan. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah, that there part, they, weren't, they weren't working on the backup plan at the same time they were working on plan A. Right. Right. Like if yeah. I can't feed my kids tonight, well, that's okay. I'll just go back on the boat, take that three right. week voyage Back exactly. to another like, place uh, where I can't no, feed I'll my kids. Ten more jobs. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, exactly. Like, because, but that's the difference. It's like right. I think it doesn't have to. You don't have to be somebody who is down and out to feel that. You can be in comfortable upper and even middle class life and just be bored with your life, and that sh- can be enough. That should be enough to want you to change and to start living a life where you feel alive and excited every morning to wake up. So I don't, I feel like lethargy in life or complacency is just as dangerous as deep struggle. It really is. And so it, but it takes a lot more mental effort to create something that's exciting to move you forward. Whereas if you're struggling, it's easy. It's like, I definitely don't want to be here. So therefore I want to do something else. But most people fall in that mid category where it's kind of like, eh, and I'm like, man, that's the most dangerous place to be. Like, that's where you really got to think of what I want my life to be. And truthfully, that's why I, I plan for when my kids go to college, because I know I'm so obsessed with them and love having every second with them <laughs> that when they're gone, what would happen? I'd probably like fall off the map. And so I don't want to even put myself in that position. I want to plan for something that is so exciting and so thrilling that I actually will look forward to it in a way that I know that next chapter of my life is going to be just as good as this one. So I'm not going to let that sneak up on me. I'm not going to let it sneak up on me and flatline me. I'm going to plan, I'm going to prepare, and then I'm going to start a whole new chapter. And And your children are relatively young, right? Yeah. So I have like seven years. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. But I I bring that up to just, to just say like, that's how far out, you know, Sarah's thinking that's how far, far out you're thinking about staying motivated. And, you know, it's part of why, um, I keep calling myself out in episodes about doing this show is like, I, I feel like if I keep saying it, it motivates you, it does, it motivates (laughs) me. And that's why I say, if you say it, then all of a sudden you have to raise your own bar. Right. And that's that's most people are afraid to say it, but once you say it and put it out there, then you're like, uh, okay. 
I got to step up to it, right? Yep. Like, and I've been I'm doing a gonna, lot of that I'm lately. I'm flat line in front of everybody. So right, exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, you're, like your message, it's to me at least, it's very liberating to hear it's just work. Like the yes. recipe not is that, just work. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. And not only that, the work is what you love in the first place. Like if you're, if you're moving in a direction that you want to go and you're, you know, designing what you want to build for me, the long-term goal is, is Italy. The short-term goals are the books and the tours and all of those things. It's all work, but it's what I love. So even on the hustle days and on the crazy days, like I'm so excited to be spending every day focused on what I love that it isn't quote work. You know what I mean? And that's what people don't understand. They're so scared of it because they're like, Oh, that's going to be really hard. I'm like, no, it's hard. Cause it's what you love. Absolutely. So it's you not know, the same kind of hard as working for somebody else and hating your job. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I mean, I have a, a day job. It's not a day job. It's a 24 seven around the clock job right now. And right. I work really, really hard. And right. it's not the same as working really, really hard on my own business. And so, right. And so I'm getting, and we've been doing the podcast now, you know, three years, it keeps growing and expanding, but until really your full energy, you make that leap, right? And it's a hard thing. I did the double hustle. I call it the double hustle. I did the double hustle for seven years. So I did corporate my day job was, I was a corporate sales executive, um, in software and consulting. So literally couldn't have been farther from what I am passionate about, but that's what I had to do. Right. I had to take care of my kids to build what I'm building. Um, and then I coached on the side. I spoke on the side. I wrote my book at night when my kids slept and I got up and I worked full time and am a full time stay at home mom. So when people come to me with excuses, I mean, I don't want to like laugh at your excuses, but I kind of want to laugh at your excuses. Like, please, I wrote a 380 page book in six months while having a full-time job, while not having a sitter or a nanny or anyone to help me or anything. So it can be done is the point. Like come to me with whatever your excuses is. And I will, I will tell you that that's just your block to hold you back from what you want to do. It's your reason for justifying why you're not taking action, which is BS. So just take action. That's right. When did you, when did you feel like it was time to leap into the single hustle from the double hustle? Asking for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a really good point. So I had, wanted to, I knew everything I was building was to that goal. Right. I knew that for about three years and I quit my job in 2015 thinking, okay, this is, this is the time I was in the middle of writing the book. I could really see things shape up. And it was about two months and it just, it was not the flow. And you kind of know when you're in it and when you're just swimming up a waterfall, right? Not even swimming upstream. You're trying to get swim up a waterfall. You're like, this is not working. This energy is not there. And so I was just like, okay, universe, let me know what I'm supposed to do. And my phone rang and someone offered me a job and I I was like, okay, well that was clear. Right. (laughs) So I worked for one more, for another year. And, um, and then last, last year, uh, the start of last year, um, I got unexpectedly laid off and I remember getting in the car and driving home and the whole ride home. All I said to myself is I will never work for someone else again. I will never work for someone else again. I will never work for someone else again. And I haven't, I work for myself. Amen. <laughs> it, it, I think like the universe knows when we're ready. And if we're not ready to make that leap, it will make it for us. And that's exactly what happened to me. I know that without a doubt, it was like, listen, you're ready. Go fly, figure this out. And the first year was tough. The first year is 
it is tough when you're starting a business. There's no sugarcoating it. But when I passed that year mark and I was like, I made that promise to myself and I'm not ever going to break it, then the floodgates open. So hang in there. If you're in your first year, it gets better. (laughs) I love that. And, you know, I think that's another thing that people, when they're afraid to do what they want to do, you know, I can't, I don't have enough money or, you know, like uh, the YouTube person you were mentioning, I'm researching is the fact that you fail and there are setbacks. I mean, people don't see how many things even just Anthony and I throw out there. Right. Uh, yeah. What you're trying on the back end. Yeah. Right. That don't exactly. stick. And they also don't see, you know, we, sometimes we joke about it on the show, but really they don't see the hustle behind it. And like Anthony and I trying to coordinate our schedules with guests and the, the sometimes like down to the minute editing to get the podcast up on time, you know, we're juggling and we are hustling and we, a lot of stuff doesn't stick and doesn't right. work. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many things that I have tried and put out there and put energy into and then realized, well, this isn't exactly what I want to put energy into and then walked away. So I think, I think people make it such a big deal in their head before they start doing anything. And that's, that's when they make it a big deal, to be honest. Like before they've taken action, they're looking at every possible scenario for which they could fail. And I just look at them and I say, who cares? Mm. Who cares if you quote fail? Because guess what? I don't even believe there's such a thing as failure. I believe it is the thing that hones your success, right? So if you try 10 things, the good news is you never have to try those 10 things again. You already know right. they weren't for you, right? <laughs> right. Yes. So then, so then guess what? The 11th one is good. And then, you know, you'll hone that 11th one. You'll be like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then at another point, you're going to try 10 other things and maybe three will work. And so it's like, all of it is just honing you. It is preparing you for your moment. It's preparing you for what you're put on this planet to do. It's not, there is no failure in it. It is absolutely the lesson you have to have to get to where you want to go. But you're never going to know that if you sit around just like, researching. It's so true. It's so true. You know, I have, I've had experiences like that in the past. I've started businesses that are actually somewhat related to what I want to do now, but this was before the podcast Mm -hmm. and it just didn't click completely. And then Anthony approached me and asked me if I wanted to do this show. And at first as things that you you don't know will turn into what they turn into, I was like, Oh, it'll be a little side thing no big deal, which just, it just hit. People just loved it and it just took off. And then that ended up taking over so much of my free time that my business that I was trying to build kind of, I just kind of let go of it. And for a little while I had like shame because Mm-hmm. I had, I had done what I'm doing now, which is I had like, I had shirts made, I had, right, right. right. I had gotten up a couple clients. I was blogging. I was posting yeah. about my, like people knew I was doing this and then it yes, was, yes. right. So you, you feel, yeah. You, you're like, Oh my God, am I embarrassed? Are people going to think that I failed at that? And I say no, because guess what? Everything that you learned doing that other business is going to help you for when you do a business related to this, right? 100%. So you're going to know you're going to be so much more confident. There's going to be so much, you know, you're not going to, you're going to get a shortcut to everything you did before. So it is literally all part of our groundwork. Like everything that and and all the time that I spent, yeah, all the time I spent in corporate sales completely helps me in building what I'm doing because I, I know how to communicate with high level people. I, you know, know the process of 
negotiating contracts, like all of that stuff. So it wasn't wasted time. None of it is ever wasted time. It is still all part of the process to make what you're building stick and last longer. Absolutely. And, and just because you tried something in that particular avenue wasn't great, then when you hit the right avenue, everything you learned is just, you're going to be so glad that you had that training ground. So no, I think if people could just get over that part of it and realize that, what are, listen, we're, we're changing, we're growing, right? We're constantly becoming the, the woman or the man that we want to be. I'm constantly becoming that. Well, I actually can, from where I'm sitting now, I can see why that didn't, that particular model didn't necessarily click and why God kind of took me this way through the show. I mean, all the people I've met, all the, even the job that I have, right? Everything, every piece right. of it. Yep. Makes it was sense. all It's all part of the plan. Yep. And now the vision is so much more honed. It's so much more yep. specific. And I, and on top of it, I've already have built a platform Yep. to launch off yep. of. So exactly. It, so people do it. So I was just going to say, people, <laughs> did you see all that? Did you hear all that? Because it's still all part of the master plan. That's Even right. if you feel like that part failed or that part I ate crow on, who cares? It's still part of the master plan. It's still part of what knocks the other doors down that you've been trying to get through. Like it is part of it. There's nothing to be ashamed of it. Such and you're going to do many more of those. Yeah, like you'll I'm continue sure. to do those as, as you grow. Like every successful person is has done that. But the thing that makes you successful is the fact that you're still doing it. Most people Ooh, I like truly that. Will sit down and close the door and shut the shades and be like, "Hey, I gave it a shot." Bitch, no, you didn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just let one thing stop you. So true. You know, I love that. They're just going to still go out and figure it out the next time. Right. So I know you've probably laid out a lot of this already, but I know through our listener, our listeners are great. They send lots of letters, yeah. we, you know, in the new neighborhood, we really get to know each other. So I know in the new neighborhood and such, there are a lot of people who, you know, we have, um, aspiring authors, people who really want to, yeah. People who really want to change careers. Everything I just said, I like can think of the person in the new neighborhood. Yeah, I know I their name. Yeah, it's great. So for those people and also for the other people in our group and the other just listeners who haven't joined yet, but hopefully will, um, (laughs) I know a lot of our listeners, they they have dreams of going back to Italy, but they haven't Mm -hmm. yet. Or they have dreams of, oh, so many people want to learn to speak Italian and they don't feel like they have the resources or the time. And then a lot of people want to connect with, you know, long lost Italian relatives. So, you know... In our audience, as in any audience, there's a lot of people who really want to manifest things and take yes, things to right, yes. the next level. So anything, just kind of as we wrap up here, you can you can kind of tell them besides, obviously, go get your book, everyone. No, I mean, she, my formula. I but, manifested that trip to Italy. I manifested that trip, and I just yesterday manifested a trip to Paris over Christmas. Ooh. So 100%. I will give you my, <laughs> I will give you my tips. And terrific. the key is to surround yourself with your dream surround yourself with your dream. And that is where this idea of the hustle of being scrappy of figuring out new ways, thinking outside the box comes in. So for example, before I went to Italy, I made a promise at the beginning of 2016. I was like, this is the year I I had planned a trip three times in my life and never pulled the trigger. Got scared. think I had the money, whatever, whatever. And I'd always planned to go alone. But in 2016, I said, I want to take my kids. Like, I don't want to experience all of that and not experience it with them. 
right? So I was like, okay, universe, it's a tall order. You know, single mom taking your family of four to Italy sure. three weeks mm-hmm. is not, not something that was in my budget. Right. So many women um, would have to say like, no, yes, I, I can't. I yeah. can't do it, right? And I'd never traveled internationally with my kids before. So add that to it, right? So what I did and what I continue to do is I literally thought of every conceivable way I could bring Italy into my life on a daily basis. So and to, to this day... All of my audiobooks are all about, literally, I think I've gotten everything off of Audible that I can find on Italy and listen to it. So from memoirs to novels about people living in Italy, people who've moved to Italy, women, whatever. So that is what is in my headspace whenever I'm down. down. It is listening to somebody doing what I want to do, right? Um, so that's one. Number two is I've watched every single movie that you can find on Netflix, Hulu, on demand, you name it, that was filmed in Italy. So that helps me see it, right? So not only am I hearing it, but I'm seeing it. I'm getting to know a region. I'm getting to know Rome a little bit from watching it, whatever. The third thing that I did that my kids were not super on board with <laughs> was I listened to the traditional Italian Pandora station. Oh, yes, nice. I <laughs> so I can sing every 1940s Italian song you can imagine. Right? Oh my gosh. So that is what plays in our house when we're cooking dinner at night. And it's what plays in my car when we go for drives in the country and it is a happy place. It's where yeah. I can just instantly transport And, you know, so I'm constantly looking for ways to bring it into my life right now. When you do that, that increases your manifestation by like a million fold, because that's increasing the feeling, the joy, the excitement, the visualization, all the things that I teach, it teaches, you know, brings it into your life. And then there's going to be a point where an opportunity is going to come your way and it's going to require you to take some action, right? So I was in this space. I was all excited. And one day my airfare watchdog notification came up and said, Hey, for four days, we're dropping price to Italy. And it was a third of what I've ever seen flights be. And I was like, Oh, this is not random. Right. (laughs) I've been preparing for this. Not random. Right. And at the moment I was like, this is going to cause, you know, be a huge leap of faith. I literally bought the tickets with my rent and was like, okay, universe, I need some clients like tomorrow. And guess what? I got a client two days later to pay for the whole trip, but I don't think I would have ever got that client. Excuse me. I don't, I know I would have never got that client had I not taken the leap of faith, recognized the opportunity, knew that was my moment and then was willing to take action. I get that. Regardless of fear and regardless of you know, all those things that come up that make us want to stop. And that's the difference. People always say, Oh, it's so cool. You're traveling the world with your kids. Yeah. Because that's my priority because that's what I, what I want to do. So when the opportunities come, I'm going to take them. That's the only difference between me and you is that opportunities come to you and you're like, mm, I can't this month cause I got to fix the car and I got to, you know, and so that's the difference. It's like, you have to be willing and ready to act when your moment comes and know that as long as you're doing it from the spirit of the joy and the happiness and everything else that you've been creating up to that point, that everything is going to work out. And it always has. And I've never, ever regretted, you know, any trip I've ever taken my kids on. That's an amazing story. I love it. You know, what's interesting is we tell listeners and people in the new, new, new blah, the new neighborhood when they ask, you know, how do I learn the language or how do I 
kind of uh, learn the dialect. And I, I always tell them, like, you have to immerse yourself in the culture. Yes. Oh, and, and that's the other thing. I mean, there's things like Duolingo. I had my kids. Um, I did little contests with them. So I would say, hey, whoever gets the farthest level in Duolingo gets 100 bucks spending money when we go to Italy. That's or whoever great. Uses, yeah, I was like, whoever uses it the most. And my kids all learn at different levels. So, you know, one is totally a learner who will go, like, to a level that none of us will ever get to in our lifetime. And so I knew that would be incentive <laughs> for him. And then the other one, she might be on level three, but she'll use it. She'll, like, from now on, sugar is zucchero, right? Oh, like, from forever, you know, and high as chow. So, so I, like, came up with little ways to bring it into our life. And then to this day, I listen to audiobooks in Italian. And really? I, I understand, like, every thousandth word. <laughs> but I just want it in my mind. I want it in my brain. I want to be surrounded by it. I try to watch stuff in subtitled Italian. So there's so many ways that you can do it for free or next to free. I know, especially um, in this day and age. Yeah. Just get, get a book on tape, learn Italian. I've, I've done like six or seven of them. So you can do it. That's terrific advice, especially for this crowd. I mean, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. I'm like freaking out excited about how great this episode is. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about something that I am so passionate about that is a little bit different lane than what I talk about all the time. So thank you for giving me that. But what's interesting is we really still spoke about it. We did did like still what you're doing and what we're doing, but it's connected, which is great. Um, It's all part of it. I love it. So really quickly, just to let our listeners, if you're you're wondering what happened to Anthony, um, we talked for so long because we're having such a great time that he actually had to drop off at one point to do a webinar. So, Andy, um, we miss you. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah and I didn't hang up on him. He, he had to go. Yeah. Um, but Sarah, obviously, um, I could keep speaking with you. And for sure, uh, not if, but when I do my new show, will you please come back on that I would one? so love to. I would so love to. And I'd love to meet you guys when I'm in New York doing my events. That's so, terrific. Yes. I will be there. Yeah. And um, Amici, we're going to link to her website and we'll also link to her events page. And her book as well, as we always do. Um, I know that we're going to get a great response from this and, and our listeners are going to really enjoy it. It has been an honor. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much, Dolores. It's amazing. Now it's time for the Italian-American story segment of the episode. And this is the segment where we try to bring you back to your old memories, family memories, family traditions, family stories, whether we're reading something from a listener, talking about something that happened at the dinner table in our house, or in this case, having on a listener who happens to be an author, Joe Pagetta, who has the book Guinea Bastard, which is personal essays and reflections from his childhood growing up as an Italian-American and actually a multicultural neighborhood, which I will get into with Joe. So here it is, my conversation with Joe. I hope you enjoy it. All right, now I'd like to welcome Joe Pagetta to the Italian American podcast. Joe's a listener of the show and he wrote back and forth with me and he's an author as well, which is why I brought him on. Joe, welcome to the Italian American podcast. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much. Uh, it's really an honor to be on the show. I, I've, I've been a fan of it since you launched. I believe it was your episode with Gay Talese that, that hooked me. I think that was a, a two-part episode, if I recall, and, uh, and, and that sure really made me a fan of the show. Yeah, that was actually the first episode that Dolores had to do the interview on her own because she called up Mr. Talese 
to try to schedule an interview and he was like, you know, you got to do it now or you're not going to do it at all. (laughs) So, uh, he talked to her for quite a while and it was two episodes and that was a good episode, but I'm glad, I'm glad you've enjoyed the podcast. And like many of our listeners, Joe reached out to me and shared with me some of his work. He's the author of a book called Guinea Bastard, which we'll get into a little bit in terms of the name and the, and the, the purpose of it shortly here. But Joe, I think kind of the best place to start here you had an article uh, recently featured for, with some of your writing, and the article was entitled Mussolini and Me Confronting My Own Version of Heritage, Not Hate, which was an excerpt from the book, Guinea Bastard. So in an effort to kind of tell people about your childhood and lead us down the road of the book, why don't we start with that and, and, and start to tell people about yourself? Yeah, yeah. So that essay, uh, it's on a website called Word Peace. Uh, they sort of focus on fiction, nonfiction, poetry, uh, and, and how words and literature can sort of bring about understanding. Um, and, and that was an essay, I guess I had floating in my head for a long time. Um, and then kind of a lot of things that had happened, you know, with the political climate over the last few years, I thought about that. And I thought about my dad's, my dad loved Mussolini. It's, it's kind of strange. Um, so I, so I grew up, not thinking too much about that. There were, you know, we had a book about Mussolini in the house and and my father talked about him a lot. And we all gathered around the TV when the, when the Mussolini miniseries uh, was on, that was kind of always in the back of my head. And with everything that had happened in the last few years, um, especially sort of the rise in people claiming to to be fascists, uh, it was all very strange to me because I really hadn't thought about that word very often. Um, so I started to think about my dad and, and I also live in the South where there is a strong connection with the civil war. And there are a, a lot of people who they see that as their, their heritage. And so to have grown up where, where I grew up and then, uh, to spend 20 years in, in Nashville. Um, hey Joe, just for some yeah, context, let the sure. audience give the audience the background of where you grew up and like your, the generations oh, yeah. that your family are from. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I grew up in the Jersey City Heights section of Jersey City uh, in the 70s and 80s. I was born in the early 70s. Uh, I grew up first generation on, on my dad's side. My father was an immigrant, came here in the early 60s from Pasticci, Italy, which is in the Basilicata region, uh, also known as Lucania before then, and probably most famous for its Amaro Lucano. So I grew up first generation on my dad's side, and then, then my mom was second generation. Her grandparents came from Italy. Uh, they came from Avellino and Naples. So, And my mother's father owned an Italian delicatessen in downtown Jersey City. Uh, so, I, so I grew up, as far as I know, I haven't had one of those uh, DNA tests, but as far as I know, I'm all Italian or <laughs> or or Italian American. Uh, so I, I very much grew up, you know, with all of those traditions. Uh, we did the, the Sunday dinners on Sunday. Uh, we, we grew up, my grandparents owned the bottom floor of the house. We lived on the second floor. We had a finished basement complete with, with paneling, uh, and an entire other kitchen. Uh, and for the most part, until my, my grandfather died, we would have those Sunday dinners that everyone always talks about. Uh, sure, you know, with the with the gallons of Gallo wine, the uncles coming over. We we would go to mass at, at St. Nicholas, and then we'd all get together for dinner. So that was all pretty classic. You know, all the food that people think of. That's what we had. 
the gravy, all of those things were the same. But I was also, I was American and growing up at the time that I grew up. Um, so, you know, I listened to American music and was influenced by American pop culture. All that stuff was, was the same. And, and I think what's interesting too is that my dad was learning how to speak English uh, at the same time that I, that we were growing up, that me and my brothers and sisters were growing up. So he, while he remained friends with, with a lot of his buddies from the old country and played cards and went to the club, he wanted us to speak English in the house. So none of us, uh, my brother, my sister, none of us spoke Italian, which is tragic now that I think about it, but not uncommon. I had a lot of other friends in my neighborhood who also had immigrant parents, and they did not learn how to speak the language. Um, and speaking of that neighborhood, which which I think forms the backbone of a lot of the stories in the book, it was a really diverse neighborhood. There were a lot of Italian kids, but I also grew up with Egyptian kids and black kids and Puerto Rican kids, and we were just a huge melting pot in that neighborhood. Um, sure. And it was really, really colorful, really vibrant and I, I think it informs a lot of a lot of the early stories in the book. Yeah, for sure. And just so kind of the listener out there understand that, you know, Joe contacted me, like I said, as many of our listeners do, and he wanted to share some of his work. And he sent me the book entitled Guinea Bastard. And it's not a long book. It's less than 100 pages. It's a small book. And there's a picture of Joe on the cover in his old Italian-American garb, I would imagine. I imagine this is a Sunday uh, Sunday outfit. I, I think my dad made that. My dad was a tailor when he came here. Oh, wow. Here. Okay. I mean, yeah. this is the textbook uh, brown pants, brown shirt, light brown vest. <laughs> it's, it's good. You, you got to see it. But, you know, of course, the word skinny bastard, can people can see as derogatory towards Italian or Italian-Americans or a stereotype is, I guess, what I'm getting at. But... Kind of like just to give you the background on the book from someone else's perspective, as I guess as the reader, is, you know, when I started reading it, it was definitely very interesting to me, partially probably because, you know, I grew up in the late 70s, 80s as an Italian-American, you know, male, of course, which is some similarities there. And, you know, some of the things that Joe talks about in the book, I can really relate to. But what if you want to like think about kind of the way I see the book from reading it is it's kind of the story of a young Italian American who, as Joe said, is American, whereas his father is really Italian and he's Italian American. So he's trying to create his own traditions and whatnot and still keep some of the family traditions. But where the twist in it is, is that, I don't know, Joe, I guess you would say that you were, you know, an artist in a way you liked music, you liked to write, which is probably not something that ran in the family. I think this happens to, and Dolores talks about this a lot because this is how she was as well. She was very, um, she was into art and into creation of things, whereas her family was mostly, you know, blue collar, et cetera. So, you know, it's an interesting read in that you have this Italian American man who is taking a different path than past generations. And you're also in this very multicultural neighborhood where the words guinea bastard where may when you first think of them may come off as offensive at that time all of joe's friends had their own name like this that was tied into their culture and they would just call each other these names whereas i mean i won't even say these names today on the podcast but it's just a reflection of a different time is that a good summary there joe yeah yeah and and i you know i struggled with even and you know it's it's the almost the first story after the the preface that that I sort of get into those things. And I, 
I had some sleepless nights deciding to put those things in the book. Yeah, it was certainly another time. And I think that that was my sort of struggling with how honest I was going to be. I, I really wanted the stories to be honest and I wanted to be honest about myself and, and my upbringing. But yeah, it's certainly another time. And I think it's really about, you know, innocence and experience. I, I mean, I, I think none of that was appropriate in any way. And it wasn't appropriate then. And it's certainly not now. But but I think I was innocent. We were kids. We right. were all young. Nobody really thought much about it. So I think that's that's sort of the point of those names. Because there is sort of a there are two stories that are kind of like bookends, and I kind of think of them as and the second one comes early too. And I think of them as kind of an innocence and experience story where in the experience one, clearly these names don't work anymore and this isn't how it's gonna be. But but I thought it would yeah, I thought it would speak to not only being Italian-American, but speaking to, to that time uh, and that neighborhood. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it's a great read in that it's very, it takes you down the path. Certainly it can be a sentimental path for you, depending on when and how you were raised as an Italian-American. But it's very interesting in hearing the path or, you know, reading the path of someone who, again, you had that art side to you where you wanted to do the music and you got really into Queen, which you go into a lot in detail in the book, which is a big, big part of the story, actually. And it just, you know, I thought it was a, just a really, really, you know, interesting read. And it was great that you were able to kind of tie it all into a book like this, you know, and, and I certainly commend you for doing that. Thank you very much. And, and thanks for mentioning the Queen situation. Um, yeah, Queen, Queen plays a huge role in the book. And, and I, there's something about discovering that band at the age that I did that just, you know, and, and, and Queen was huge everywhere in the world, except the United States in the 1980s. So something about uh, Freddie Mercury and the image that they portrayed was not welcomed here. But if, if you were to pick up any magazine anywhere else in the world, they were huge, including Italy. I, I think they appreciated uh, the drama um, and the spectacle that they presented. But um, I, I hope people appreciate the queen part. Yeah. And, and you can imagine it in my neighborhood uh, where there were a lot of tough kids, <laughs> me, me uh, having this love of this uh, band called queen uh, with a, a lead singer like Freddie Mercury. Sure. Um, but now of course, you know, queen is certainly accepted and, and I'm looking forward to the film in November. Yeah. They're everywhere. And I'm excited about that. Joe, what was it ultimately that made you write the book? Um, well, I, I had been writing, I've been a professional writer for most of my life at this point. I was a journalist when I got out of college, uh, and then I went into public relations. I've been doing arts writing for a long time. Um, but about maybe maybe five, six years ago, I started uh, on the personal essay form, which I liked very much, and started uh, digging into my, my own personal history to look at my own life for stories. And I started publishing quite a few of those uh, in different places, and then I became a dad a couple of years ago and really thought about those stories and just trying to gather them somewhere. I thought it might I thought I might be writing a different kind of story once once my daughters were born. Right. That that, that I might not necessarily focus on my neighborhood and, and my relationship with my father. I don't know, although certainly your parents sort of you start to think of them a lot more when you have children. I just thought it might be fun to, to gather them together into a collection. Uh, and it took a while. My, my, my daughters only appear in, in maybe one of the stories because it took me several years to, to 
hone the collection down. And, and like you said, it's a short book. That's because there, there are a lot of things I took out and I decided, you know, I just want to make this short, low commitment for people. You could probably read it in a few hours uh, or over two nights, but I thought it'd be a nice introduction. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I did, you know, I got it in the mail and I did, I started reading it on my couch and it's kind of the kind of book I think you, I mean, if you're Italian American, I think you can really get into it and it could be a quick read because it's, it's very interesting the way you wrote it. So, you know, I would highly recommend this as a really interesting read to those of you out there just again to understand the, you know, again, it's, it could be sentimental for you if you grew up in those times. Um, but it's also, I think the interesting side of it when you have someone who's Italian American with Italian parent or parents and you're taking a little bit of a different path, which I think is the interesting kind of component of it. So with that, Joe, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast for a few minutes here. You can check out Joe's book. You can go to his website, joepagetta.com. That's P-A-G-E-T-T-A. The book is there. There's information about the book. Some of his other reading and, and writing projects are there as well, including the article Mussolini and me that was just on the word piece website that you can actually read as kind of a primer for the book and see, you know, how you, uh, you know, how you like the book, how you like the style, but, um, it's highly recommended. So Joe, thanks for taking a few minutes here. I really appreciate it. Anthony, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it too. Joe's story was really cool in his book, reflecting. I think everybody should try to reflect on their childhood. And of course, Dolores Sarah was just awesome to have on the podcast. Oh my gosh. One of my favorite episodes and favorite conversations. So, you know, as we mentioned in the middle of the, of recording it, um, you had to drop off and Sarah and I just kept going. And, you know, we've mentioned on, um, in earlier episodes, me wanting to do a third show of my own where I kind of, you know, leave the nest and branch out and talk about different things. And it was really a beautiful moment for me personally, because when you dropped off and Sarah and I kept talking, it felt like I was in the middle of doing that show that I want to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, because of her topic and what she's focused on, right? Yeah, and how we were talking. And it felt, I had like goosebumps and it felt so magical. And off mic, Sarah and I talked about that a little bit. And because she's obviously a, a manifesting coach and into that type of thing, she actually said to me that the first sign of manifesting, not a word, I'm, crazy comfortable with, but we could talk about that another time. The first sign of manifesting is you will have a moment where you feel like you're actually doing the thing that you want to do. Right. Yeah. yeah, And that, right. Yeah. 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 And that was it for me there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. So, so it's a very cool episode to record and, and she's, She's wonderful, great energy, and just a different kind of guest for us, right? It's really nice. Absolutely. Yeah, she was great. All right, so now Dolores is going to read just an iTunes review. We have so many reviews, great reviews from our listeners, which you know make us feel so good and really keep us motivated and continue to do the podcast. And so now I'm going to let Dolores read one for you. We do have a lot of reviews, but Anthony, of course, we could always use more. <laughs> of course. So reviews really help people know that the show is a good show and something they should listen to, and it helps iTunes to spread the word about us. So please, if you haven't left a review, head on over to iTunes and do so. Thank you. So five-star beautiful review from Mucciolio22, a must. Meet your newest family, Dolores and Anthony. They bring the sounds, taste, opinions, and love from your family's dinner table into your home. If you miss your Italian upbringing, 
want to learn more about our history or just need a good head nod with others that talk with their hands too much, look no further. It won't take long before you include them at your dinner table as well. Pachentani. That's a great review. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Me too. We love hearing that. And, you know, we've talked about it before, but we definitely strive to make the show feel that way for all of you because we really want this to be a community project that brings us all together. So thank you so much for that review and to everyone else who's left a review and to everyone who will leave a review. Absolutely. All right. Now Dolores is going to take us out and just let you know where you can connect with us on the socials. So, you know what? I'm just making it simple these days, Anthony. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and you can find us by just searching Italian American podcast. Ci vediamo.